Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, good evening, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America on this Friday night. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're getting ready for a great weekend. And uh, tonight, we're going to start off, as we always do, with Scripture. And then I want to simply give you a sort of a wrap-up, uh, some miscellaneous things, some additional commentary on some of the things we've seen going on this week. And uh, as always, we know we're all praying for the country all the time and for everything that's going on. Uh, but we get a chance to focus uh, our prayers on certain key things that are happening and uh, about which we're all concerned. And so we'll do that tonight. So let's turn to, uh, in that spirit of prayer for America and uh, for all our needs, and I invite you to leave your prayer intentions in the comments, anything that uh, all of us can pray for you about explicitly. Uh, in that spirit, we want to see what St. Paul writes to the Philippians here in uh, chapter uh, 4 of his letter to them, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we are concerned about many things in this nation and in our world, in our communities, in our families, in our businesses. But Lord, we do not let those concerns make us lose our peace of mind, which is ultimately rooted in you and confidence in you and the supreme confidence in you that our founders expressed in our very Declaration of Independence. Lord, keep us vigilant and at the same time at peace. Send your Spirit upon all those involved in all the matters that we will discuss tonight and that we discuss on every show. Bring our nation to a point of renewed greatness. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, as I was praying that, I uh, thought about a Social media post I saw the other day, you might have seen it too, where this, uh, this deluded uh, gentleman was uh, confronting somebody else in a, in a diner or cafe or something who was wearing a, a, a Trump hat. The uh, complainer, the accuser, was so stupid. When was America great? When was America great? You mean the country that... Uh, was founded on these principles unlike any other country, striving for what you can't really express any better, a government that happens by the consent of the governed and with a recognition that government secures rights given by God. You mean that kind of greatness? You mean the greatness of eradicating slavery, the greatness of bringing to the world some of the greatest inventions that we've ever had and that improve the lives of everybody? You mean the country that saved the world from, 
from tyranny many times by our interventions in, in key conflicts. You, you, mean, you, mean, you mean the country that welcomes more people from unstable parts of the world uh, than any other nation does? You're talking about when was America great? You mean, is that the America you're talking about? These people are so insane, so uninformed, so ignorant, and so hateful of America, they really have to leave the country. I mean, really, just not that people don't have a, a, a right to be here, not that we can't have people here with, which we, with whom we disagree. I'm not talking about that. But for their own sake, if they're so negative on America, get the hell out. I, I, I you know, I had enough with these people. <laughs> I really, I really had enough with them, and I suspect you have too. All right, erasing student debt. So the Supreme Court tells the Biden administration recently that uh, it can't just, doesn't have the authority constitutionally to just forgive some $430 billion of student loan debt on the part of some 37 million people. Uh, and so what they do instead is they do some bookkeeping, as I understand it at this point, some bookkeeping arrangement whereby a debt that would have been forgiven some time ago uh, can be forgiven now because they're counting certain things they didn't count before and it's in a different way. They make certain fixes to payment plans that it would help now somewhere around uh, 804,000 people for uh, $39 billion instead of $430 billion. Whether what they just did is justified, I don't know. It warrants further analysis, but uh, these people are just looking. They're looking for votes, right? I mean, let's, 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 let's buy as many votes as we can. Um, yeah, we'll see where that goes. But it is a, it is a, they're trying to come at it in a different way rather than outright forgive in a broad-based way, which they don't have the authority to do. Even Nancy Pelosi had said that. Uh, they're trying this other approach, obviously, for uh, a much lesser amount and, and a smaller group of people. The cocaine investigation at the White House. Well, well, well. What do you know? They come out and say, no suspect. We can't find any suspect. Now, no fingerprints or DNA were found on the little bag of cocaine. And nothing was obtained through the surveillance video or any other kind of uh, FBI analysis. Sorry, they, 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 they sent in the report. We don't have anybody. What an embarrassment. You know, this ties into something else I wanted to mention. You may have seen this report. And this only exacerbates uh, the problem I'm about to uh, summarize for you, thanks to our friend Gary Bauer, his daily report, that public confidence in our institutions is uh, very, very significantly low and is declining. And then you see things like this, it only further erodes confidence. I mean, what kind of White House does this? Where cocaine is found and they look into it and nobody knows anything. Nobody's any, any better off for, for all the sophisticated investigative equipment and personnel that our government has. If cocaine can get in there now, like totally undetected, what if we're, we're some other substance that would be 
more harmful to people just to be in the presence of. I, I, I don't, you know, all this does, it doesn't lessen people's suspicions. It increases them, increases the suspicions of political cover-up, and just makes confidence in our institutions continue to go down. As this recent uh, uh, report says, uh, the five worst rated, uh, this is a report from Gallup, uh, institutions are newspapers, the criminal justice system, television news, big business, and Congress. Uh, they all have confidence ratings of less than 20%. Congress, only 8%. Now, these uh, institutes are seen as belonging to the left camp rather than the right, although Congress, of course, is divided. Um, and so a lot of American citizens, that's not just that they lack confidence in these institutions, but they are opposed to what they are doing, opposed to it, because they see them as being hijacked by a left-wing agenda. Now, other low ratings, but uh, a little less uh, bad off than the five I just mentioned, are the presidency, big tech companies, of course, uh, public schools, and organized labor. And these, of course, these days are all associated also with the left. They get meager ratings between 25 and 27%. What are the highest public trust ratings? What institutions enjoy those? Small businesses, 65%. The military, 60%. And the police, 43%. Of course, institutions that the left, they're seen as conservative-leaning, but the left targets and attacks uh, these uh, small businesses. They want to regulate them out of existence. And, of course, military and police, you know the approach the left takes to them. Okay, so um, uh, something like this cocaine incident at the White House, unresolved and apparently uh, people not, not willing and or able to resolve it, just only decreased the confidence even more. You know, when we deal with these various issues and things that are happening, uh, uh, Dick Morris recently reported that uh, adults surveyed about what they watch for news. Interesting. 30% came down and said CNN or MSNBC. Those, on the other hand, who watch Fox and or Newsmax were 35%. It's nice to see that number a little higher than the alternative. But interestingly, this um, uh, analysis that Dick was talking about shows that the people watching CNN and, and MSNBC, and this would come as no surprise to any of us, didn't even know basic facts about things that were happening. In other words, when you talk with... Uh, friend or neighbor or fellow believer or somebody who's, who's in that other camp and they're always, you know, in the little bubble zone of uh, CNN and MSNBC, you know, you're not just disagreeing on, on perspectives. You're dealing with people who likely don't even know the basic developments, basic happenings, basic facts upon which you are basing your positions or basing your conversations. Don't presume they know anything. 
about the Hunter Biden laptop, about the cocaine thing in the White House, about any of these things that we discuss. And we're not talking about having different opinions. Obviously, they're going to have different opinions if they're molded by those fake news networks. But, uh, my goodness, they don't even know the basic facts of what's happening or the history of what's going on. Not surprising, but good for us to bear in mind as we have interactions with these people. No doubt that idiot in the store who confronted the man with the, uh, with the Trump hat is he's in CNN, MSNBC idiot and doesn't know half the things that are actually going on in this country. On the abortion front, the Indiana Supreme Court handed down a victory recently. No, the the pro-abortion people still don't understand how bad uh, 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 it is for them uh, that this Dobbs decision came down. Even though the decision said, listen, you want to keep abortion legal? You think it's okay to kill babies all, all the way till birth? Persuade your fellow citizens, persuade your lawmakers and pass laws that would, that would uh, keep that activity legal. And of course, a good number of states have done exactly that. But then you're going to have your states that are going in the opposite direction and protecting these babies as if protecting babies is extreme. President Trump keeps pointing out we've got to be able to talk about this issue in a, in, a, in, a, uh, in a persuasive way and point out that the extremism is on one side and one side only the pro-abortion Democrats who want abortion right up until birth, something the American people have never accepted or endorsed. But the point I'm making is that the other side still doesn't understand the sea change that has occurred in the courts. Because by saying that this issue has to be resolved by the people and their elected representatives, they are much less likely now to strike down pro-life laws. We've gone through a period of 50 years where pro-life laws are passed by the states and, um, and what happens is that the courts strike them down. Knee-jerk reaction. It's almost automatic because of Roe and Casey. But those decisions are gone now, saying that there was some kind of, some kind of constitutional right to abortion. And they're learning the hard way because now what's happening is that the lower courts have to take Dobbs as precedent. In other words, they have to take, they have to abide by what the Supreme Court said, that you've got to give deference to the legislatures. If it's a reasonable law, you have to let it stand. It's not unconstitutional just because it protects babies early in pregnancy. So that's what happened in Indiana. Uh, the, the, uh, the state Supreme Court said, look, you know, there's no basis here for saying abortion is a fundamental right based on the Indiana Constitution. And many other lower courts, uh, not, not only lower federal courts, but, but, but state courts too, are going to be um, uh, deciding in a favorable way towards pro-life laws because of the new jurisprudence set out by the, uh, by the Dobbs decision. Um, Iowa, the governor there, uh, Kim Reynolds, recently called a special session altogether of the legislature to deal with protection of the unborn and passed a heartbeat bill, protecting the babies as soon as the heartbeat can be detected. It was a great, uh, uh, a great step forward of progress. Of course, that is being challenged in the courts by the other side. But you see what they do? They can't get it through their heads, the pro-abortion side that the people and their elected representatives through the legislative process are the ones best suited 
to set abortion policy. They don't want that because the legislative process is a meticulous process that gets into the, the nitty-gritty of what, what abortion actually is. And as soon as you really start facing that, people reject it because you see how violent it really is, how gruesome. But the other side keeps running to the courts. It's like, look, the people and their elected representatives made a decision. Why can't you accept that? So they try, try to keep trying to ask the courts to strike it down. What I'm saying is they're going to find that that is less and less successful because you're asking the courts to strike down something that the highest court in the land said you have no reason for striking down. Speaking also in the, in the pro, uh, pro-life arena, this book just came out, and I'm very, very uh, privileged uh, uh, to be included in, a, uh, in this commemorative book called Legacy of Life that highlights the work of 50 pro-life leaders over the last 50 years. I knew personally, knew slash know, some of them are deceased, some of them are still among us, um, 47 of these 50. But uh, it is a beautiful uh, commemoration of the work of each one of these leaders. And I'm uh, very, very uh, uh, privileged that uh, Dr. Alveda King, who works on our Priests for Life team, wrote the, uh, the tribute to me in here, and various other authors wrote the tributes to the other 49 leaders, including people like St. John Paul II, Mother Teresa, uh, all of these leaders um, helping to get us to this day where, as I was just explaining, uh, the, we get rid of this notion that there's somehow a constitutional right to slaughter babies in the, in the womb. Legacy of Life is the book. Uh, the limited copies are available. Uh, check it out online if you're interested. Okay, a few other items, and we've got to pray over all of this. The Kamala Harris um, uh, insurance uh, policy. You know, you, you, you notice what the Democrats are doing. They give her jobs that set her up for failure. Being in charge of what's going on at the border. I mean, are you kidding? one of the biggest embarrassments and crises of American policy. And uh, you're not going to fix things at the border when the administration that you're a part of doesn't want to. So they set her up to fail. They set her up to look inept in every way. And uh, she is so inept in so many ways. Um, But many commentators have pointed out that Those in the party that are saying, hey, listen, Biden is our guy. He's our puppet. We're going to keep him in office. Biden himself saying he's running again. That many people scratch their heads and say, how in the world can he even say that? Uh, Because of his diminished capacity and also because of his absolute failure in that particular office. But the insurance policy of Harris is simply, well, people who want to... uh, you know, have Biden uh, resign now, she's worse. We don't want to do that. So in order to buttress that argument, they want to make her look worse. That's uh, that's one of the dynamics going on in this current election. Uh, The Democrats are kind of stuck with Biden. Uh, those who would run, of course, course you have the RFK Jr. uh, movement going on and and those who are aligned with him. But I think a lot of those voters in the general election will end up voting for the Republican nominee instead um, because precisely of some of the things that they're concerned about that the, the Democrat Party mainstream has gone so far to the left, it's been hijacked 
that they're not going to go along with them. The reason they're going to RFK is that they, many of them, uh, they reject that other extremism. So the party, in other words, is stuck with Biden, and uh, they are unable to drop him uh, for fear of what, 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 how they will be punished by the establishment party. Uh, meanwhile, on the, uh, on the other side, on the Republican side, the voters want President Trump. Uh, the, the base of support for him is, uh, is the majority, and it is solid. It's rock solid. Uh, we're not, uh, we're not uh, going away from him in any way, shape, or form. Okay, just a couple of other comments, and then we'll go into to prayer as, as the Word tells us about all these things. You know, the uh, decision I talked to you about from out of uh, the Supreme Court regarding the North Carolina redistricting question, you know, does the legislature have the sole authority to, uh, to set rules for elections, including redistricting, as has been going on after the 2020 census, every 10 years it happens, uh, or uh, does, is there some authority that rests with the courts? And the Supreme Court said, yes, courts can be involved, but there are limits to how they can be involved. They can't just... Uh, you know, uh, just go out there and uh, substitute their judgment for that of the legislature. Okay, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's basically a bad decision, but there's some good in there. But listen, what the demented uh, Democrat who uh, governs uh, North Carolina had to say about this. This is the Moore v. Harper case of the Supreme Court. The decision was issued, and he said, "This is a good decision." that curbs some of the power of Republican state legislatures. Oh, whoa, 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 hold on right there, there, de demented governor. Hold on right there. That, by the way, that's what the D stands for, okay? Deluded, demented, you could use either one. Use both, double D. The decision wasn't about Republican legislatures. Right away he politicizes this, right away, the deluded man. Right away, the Supreme Court is looking at the Constitution and saying, how do we interpret the clause which gives the authority to regulate elections in a state to the state legislatures? How do we interpret that? And how do we balance that with what authority courts may have to enforce their state constitutions? This could help us in various situations it can help the Democrats in various situations. We just have a situation unfolding now in New York where the court is saying, redraw the map, and it would redraw it in a way that would help the Democrats with the House races come 2024. But no, no, no. And it is, this, you know, there's, there's hardly a group worse than these Democrat governors. They are an absolute disgrace. Every one of them has got to be. All these Democrat, all these races that are coming up for governor, get the Democrats the hell out. So he goes on to say, this decision um, affirms the importance of checks and balances. But Republican legislators in North Carolina and across the country, listen to what this Roy, Roy Cooper, you know, today would be a very good day. Resign and move to, I don't know, move to, to, to uh, some... Eastern European country. Republican legislators in North Carolina across the country remain a very real threat to democracy. Oh, there it goes, folks. The virtue signaling extremist language of the radical, deluded Democrats, a very real threat to democracy. 
as they continue to pass laws to manipulate elections for partisan gain by interfering with the freedom to vote. Well, my response to that is, look the hell in the mirror. Stand, Cooper, with your fellow deluded Democrats and look in the mirror. You're the people who hate America, hate democracy, and couldn't care less about fair and free elections. What a disgrace. Get out of our sight. We don't need you governing North Carolina or anything else for that matter. Final point I want to touch on, another Biden vacation. The RNC actually commented on this uh, the other day. Quote, after the worst job re- jobs report of his presidency, Biden, Biden is heading to the beach to vacation yet again, while families continue to live paycheck to paycheck. Biden tries to downplay his failures, but Americans know Bidenomics is to blame for high prices and falling savings. And then this uh, RNC... Uh, report that came out uh, mentions, by the way, you can get these updates. People, of course, will have their complaints about um, the establishment party, uh, obviously, but, uh, but, but, but getting these emails, you get a lot of good information that you can use despite the, despite the things that, uh, that we may complain about. Um, but as of July 7th, Biden had spent 352 days on vacation. That's 39.2% of his presidency. 39 point, more than one-third of his presidency spent on vacation. He outpaces every, any other president in modern history. Well, of course, you know, I never thought he really even wanted the presidency. I don't know what in the world went on behind the scenes to convince him, but whoever was convincing him, they knew that he would be the puppet on the string for absolutely radical anti-American policies. But I never really thought he even wanted it. And he pretended to want it numerous times, as we know. But he also acted, you know, believe behavior. Don't believe words. Believe behavior. And uh, the way the guy campaigned, uh, it was absolute, I mean, it puts, it's an embarrassment of a campaign. Basement campaign. This weekend's beach vacation is Biden's 76th trip to Delaware. This was the other weekend. Uh, Since taking office, hits his most frequent destination as president. Hey, uh, Biden, um, president means like 50 states. You're president of the 50 United States. You got to get the hell out of Delaware once in a while. Your your life isn't Delaware. And, And I know it's a big psychological shift, but it's like USA. Since taking off in office, Biden will have spent 63 of 128 weekends in Delaware and another 27 weekends at Camp David. How many did he spend in, I don't know, the place where the seat of government is, Washington, D.C.? 25 weekends. We're talking about his whole presidency. And that's 19, 19.5% of the weekends in the place where... I don't know, the president is supposed to live and work. So we come to the end of another week absolutely disgusted about what's going on. Distressed, concerned. 
But like we said in that, let's go back here to the word. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. He says, do not be anxious about anything. The Lord is at hand. Appeal to Him. Now, now I, I understand. Some would take these words to mean not to face the disastrous things that the deluded Democrats are doing. Others would say, oh, well, let's not worry about it. It's, it's, it's more nuanced than that. It's not that we don't worry about it. Is that we don't let it make us lose our peace of mind. Yeah, we worry. We have to be distressed. We should be angry at what these Democrats are doing, these tyrants. They've become a Marxist party. Again, we have to say it. We have to say it loud and clear. But where do we rest? I mean, how do we have peace of mind? How do we have any kind of joy whatsoever? Because we are rooted in the Lord. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, you know, the Lord knows these things too. But He's got you in His hand. He's got the nation under His, his eyes. You remember in, in, in uh, Matthew's Gospel, Jesus points out, every hair on your head has been counted. You are worth more than many sparrows. The Father recognizes every time a sparrow falls to the ground. He's got this under control, but He also gives us a role to play in making things right. And so there's that balance between the complete confidence and trust, which gives us a basis of our peace of mind, even in the midst of disaster. But in the midst of that, that peace does not mean passivity. Make the clear distinction. Peace of mind goes hand in hand with saying, we have got to get up out of our chairs and we have got to fight hard because the survival of the nation depends on it. That attitude that we see personified in President Trump and this MAGA movement, the greatest political movement in our history, which will win, these are compatible. The peace of mind and the vigilance and the, and the activity and the, the, uh, the having enough concern, being disturbed enough by all this, to say, I've got to get busy now. This is, this is a crunch time. This is time to get off the sidelines. These two things are perfectly compatible. You come in touch with God, you're coming in touch with the source of all peace, and you're also coming in touch with the source of all activity. So let's pray. Father, we look today at the lack of confidence in our government institutions. Uh, Lord, bless our fellow citizens and help them realize that there is indeed reason for a lack of confidence in these institutions. There is no reason for a lack of confidence in you or in the final outcome of these struggles. Bless those, Lord God, who are in the institutions that do enjoy public favor and trust. Bless, Lord God, all small businesses. Bless all those in our armed forces. Bless all those who are police officers. We do support them, Lord. The public does have confidence in them. Let that confidence continue to grow. Lord God, when it comes to those in public office, we ask you to reprimand those that need a rebuke. Awaken the consciences of those whose consciences are dead. And let the voters speak their mind clearly in the voting booth. And Lord, as far as fake news media, big business, big tech, corrupt FBI, 
Lord God, bring, we ask two things. We ask that you get these people out of those positions. And then once they are out, once they are far away from the levers of power to do damage to our country, our freedom, and our families, then give them the grace of repentance as well. And let them come to an understanding and a turning away from the evil they've done. But Lord, get them away from the levers of power first. Bless us, Lord, as we look over this country and we see Democrat governors uh, talking about us as threats to democracy. Lord God, let the scales fall from their eyes. Get them out of power first, and then let the scales fall from their eyes. Lord God, we pray that uh, this forgiveness of student debt may not delude people, may not fool people. Lord, give us a country and give us public officials who abide by the limits that the Constitution imposes on their power and give voters the wisdom to see through any superficial attempt simply to win their vote by giving them money. And Father, finally, we pray for the unborn. We pray that the destruction of life, the literal dismemberment of children may stop. And we thank you for the leaders who for the past 50 years have brought us to a point where the people have much more power to protect these of most defenseless among us, the children in the womb. Gathering together all these prayers and all the prayers that our audience has in mind and heart and have expressed in the comments, we offer the prayer that Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Well, it's been great to be with you tonight, friends. Have a great weekend. Connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. I'm always happy to hear from you, our viewers, and I thank uh, those of you who have written to me, emailed me with such strong, encouraging words. You are a blessing, and uh, thanks. We look forward to continuing to communicate with you all. And uh, you, can, uh, you can send us an email, by the way. Look, check out our main website, endabortion.us, and you'll see all the, uh, the contact information there for our ministry and the other things we're doing, for which we kindly ask your financial help as well. We rely solely on people like you. Keep up the great work that you're doing, and we'll talk to you soon. Hello, friends. Would you please join me for a moment of prayer taken from my book, Pro-Life Reflections for Every Day. In Matthew 18, 4, we read, Whoever humbles himself and becomes like this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Reflection. There is a natural humility about children that God wants us to imitate. They know they are smaller and weaker and in need of protection and provision. God wants us to know our dependence on Him in the same way. The dependence of children, therefore, is meant to evoke from us the same kind of care that God gives us all. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the example of children. May their dependence move the hearts of those around them to love, protect, and care for them in every circumstance. Amen. Friends, you can obtain a copy of this book at ProLifeReflectionsForEveryDay.com.
This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.